0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. So it is May, May 14th today, the day that I'm recording this episode, and summer is right around the corner for some parts of the United States. Summer is already starting. Um, I know some states and some school districts relate, release their kids in mid or early May. Uh, for my kids where I live, they don't get out of school until the first couple of weeks of June. But nevertheless, summer is around the corner. and for many of us, myself included, when we think about summer, one of the things that goes hand in hand with summer is summer camp. And that is going to be the subject of today's podcast, which is thinking about summer camp, in particular sleepaway camp and could it be beneficial for your child? Now, I chose this topic, A, because of the timeliness, because it is getting close to the summer and my kids will be going to summer camp, not all of them, some of them and it is something that has been a huge part of our family's tradition and I say tradition because my two oldest children have been attending the same summer camp that I went to when I was young and they now go to the same camp and my third born child will be going for a very short session at the end of the summer as well for the very first time this summer. So it is a big part of our family's tradition to attend this particular summer camp. And for some people that seems maybe not 100% in line with who they envision me to be as a parent or a parent coach. As you know, I talk quite a bit on my podcast about attachment, developing a strong parent-child attachment and how to help that take root and sustain over an entire lifehood but in particular, of course, during the formative years that your child is in your home and you are raising them. So attachment is something I talk about, like I said, quite a bit. And for some people who associate attachment theory with attachment parenting, Yes, attachment parenting is also based upon the theories of attachment theory, but that is a style of parenting, which uh, is not necessarily what I am talking about here. I work with people who practice attachment parenting. Some of the things that I do within my own family, you could say, oh, that's a form of attachment parenting. But for me, parenting is not following a set of pre-prescribed rules or a pre-prescribed set of conditions. Some people who are staunch attachment parenting parents, meaning that they follow and embrace that particular style of parenting and would follow all the rules. One of the things that they would take issue with would be any form of separation between parent and child for a sustained period of time. I'm not advocating sleepaway camps for a very young child. I'm talking about sleepaway camp for a child who already is secure in terms of that parent-child attachment. I'm referring to sleepaway camps that are intended for children who are beyond the age of the time in which that key foundation of an attachment would be forming within the first six years of life typically. So, I'm talking about kids who might be attending a sleepaway camp when they are ages seven and above. And in particular, I'm going to be focusing on sleepaway camps that are longer than one week. I'll talk a bit about shorter sleepaway camps that are a few nights. I'll talk about shorter sleepaway camps that are maybe one week in time. But primarily, I'm focusing on traditional residential camps that are a bit longer in length, something like three to four to six weeks. I know there are a few camps, I don't know them myself, but I know there are a few camps, I think on the East Coast in particular, that even run an entire summer or eight weeks. So I'm referring to residential summer camps that, like I said, are for longer than a week and if that could be a good fit for your child and your family. So first I wanna talk about summer camps, sleepaway camps in general, and why they can be very beneficial for you and your child. The first reason is it provides an opportunity for your child to take safe risks, to try out activities that they may not have the opportunity to try or may not have the willingness to try if they were home. So kids tend to sometimes when they're in summer camps try things out they may say no to another place so activities is one way but another place that they could take safe risks is forming new friendships maybe at home they have the friends that they like to hang out with or play with and they don't really make friendships outside of that circle well at a summer camp it provides the opportunity for them to take some risks make some new friends and learn kind of how to interact with different types of kids that might be coming from different places, even different countries. And that is another safe risk that can come along for kids that can be very beneficial. Another benefit of sleepaway camps is the opportunity for a bit of maturation, a bit of maturing to emerge and unfold for your child No doubt, summer camp is an opportunity to have a taste of independence away from your parents in a way that is healthy and temporary and not without other people to be there to be a support to your child and lead your child in your absence. Just like when they're at school, they have teachers. When they're at summer camp, they have camp counselors and teachers and counselors, CITs, counselors and trainings, and other people at the camp that are also these other leaders that are not you. So they are safe, they're taken care of, but they're also getting this little bit of taste of independence and separation that is healthy, but also temporary, meaning that it comes to an end. It gives them that taste and opportunity to kind of do a little bit of growing, do a little bit of maturing, figure some things out for themselves without the parents being there to kind of problem solve for the child. They know they can rely on them. It gives them that little taste when they're at summer camp. It also gives both the parent and the child an opportunity to step away and step apart and practice letting go just a little bit. As we all know, we're raising our children to ultimately be able to let them to the point where they can fly and leave the nest. That's something that we all want for our children, but getting there can be really challenging. I find it very fascinating both as a parent, in my own personal experience, but also in my work as a parent coach. When I am working with parents who have younger children, maybe six and under, lots of focus on independent and how I can get my child to be more independent and how I can help my child become more capable and more able to do things for themselves or on their own without me constantly having to be the one nagging, reminding, setting up routines and rules and lists and all of that. How do I get my child to be more independent? That's always a big focus of questions that I faced with with The people I work with, my parent coach practice. And also for a child who's maybe a little bit older, maybe above age six, maybe between the ages of six to 11, where a child is also, you know, pretty dependent and they should be on their parent for a lot of things. But nevertheless, little bits of independence are unfolding and should be unfolding. Maybe not the ones that you prioritize as a parent, but it might nevertheless be where your child is in the type of independence and maturation that your child is ready for. Well, when your child is at a summer camp and you're not there to get the reminders and they have to figure out somehow how to survive without you there to remind and nag, guess what? They just might do a little of that. Camp provides rituals and traditions and structures that structures that are really conducive to these kind of self-care, independent skills to unfold. Things like making your bed, cleaning up after yourself, picking up your laundry and putting it in a laundry bag, taking care of personal hygiene, knowing how to turn on a shower and get to the right temperature by yourself without your parent doing it first, doing the kind of group community chores and having other people other than just mom and dad to hold you accountable for those chores. Usually kids participate in things like setting the table, clearing the table, those types of camp community chores that we do at camp. Now, when kids are in camps, and this is just the expectation, they tend to do them. When kids are home and it's the parents' expectation, the parents' agenda and the parents' rule, eh, there could be a little bit more built-in pushback, a little bit less just jumping on board with participating in these types of activities. Well, at camp, they go in fresh, those structures are set and expectations are set from day one. And they kind of just do it because that's the expectation. So that's a great opportunity also for a little bit more of that self-care and independent skills to unfold. Another benefit of a sleepaway camp. Another one is the opportunity to connect with peers and adults outside of their typical school and home environment. Camps, provide mixed age groups, multi-generational friendships and relationships can unfold from counselors to older kids and younger kids. Some schools are really great at integrating different age groups. Some schools are mixed age schools, but most schools, most traditional schools, kids kind of stick to their same age groups. And at summer camp, there tends to be a lot more mixing of ages and multi-generational relationships, which is wonderful. Camp also can provide an opportunity for kids to find their people. It can be really helpful, particularly for kids who struggle a bit to find their people or to fit in in their school environment or their typical places where they do interact with their peer groups. So in a school setting, they might struggle. In a camp setting, they might be able to form new friendships that will be more fulfilling and build that kind of ability to feel like, okay, I can make friendships. I can fit in with a group. What's happening at school doesn't define who I am in these other places. So more confidence in terms of the ability to form friendships can form, particularly for kids who struggle a bit in their school and home environments. For that reason, I really encourage you, if you're going to send your child to a residential sleepaway camp, to avoid sending your kid with their friends, particularly our friends from school. I know it can be tough and a little scary that first year to go by yourself, but there is opportunity to reach out to the camp typically and find out what are some kids of the same age group that my child might be able to talk to ahead of time, set up a meetup or maybe a Zoom meeting or phone conversation so they have a familiar face. It also could be a good opportunity if you have friends that um, have children the same age that maybe don't live nearby, maybe only get a chance to see each other once or twice a year or even less, this could be a great opportunity for your children to meet up in this other place and have an opportunity to kind of, perhaps if all the conditions are right, form a friendship, with these kids that they don't normally get to interact with. This has happened for me and it's like some type of little magic that I never could have predicted would take hold. Um, Like I said, my kids attend the same summer camp that I attended when I was young. And it is a camp that is almost a hundred years old and is full of tradition and die hard people who adore this summer camp. And because of that, there's a lot of second And even third, and I believe there's even a handful of fourth-generation campers now attending the same camp. And because of that, children of the kids that I was friends with are the peers that my kids are going to camp with. Now, again, could not have predicted or forced this to happen, but my daughter, my oldest daughter's best friend from camp is the daughter of one of my best friends from camp. Still, somebody who's very close, who happens to also be married to somebody else who attended the same camp, who is the son of my parents' best friend. And so I grew up with him and he ended up the same camp again, not a school camp, but a family friend. And we attended camp together and it was a great place to come together and have that common connection. Even though we had the opportunity to see each other outside of school um, or outside of home, we didn't attend the same school. It was another place we could come together. So there were kids at my camp I was familiar with that may have been in the same neighborhood or maybe were children of my parents' friends, but not really any friends or people I knew from my same school. Initially, a little scary. Eventually, I came to love this. I really cherished the fact that I had my camp friends and my camp relationships, and they were separate from my friendships that I had at home. It also is a great opportunity to send cousins or relatives together to the same place, an opportunity for them to be together and have that kind of structure. My kids attended their summer camp with my sister's kids. And it's kind of like this really special thing that they share, that the cousins get to have this experience together at camp. And also for my kids to be able to connect with their sibling in this place outside of the home. It's really wonderful to see how their relationship has kind of blossomed and grown in a way that's a bit different than when they're home. Another benefit of Sleepaway Camp, and this has become almost my top reason, maybe just slightly below that opportunity to connect and form friendships outside of a school community or your home community, and that is that Summer Camp, Sleepaway Camp, provides a break from technology, from screens. I'm going to read you a quote from a great book, and this is a resource that I'm going to have in my show notes, and a book that I loved before I sent my firstborn away to camp for the first time, and encourage you to pick up if this is something that you're considering doing, because there's so much great information packed in this book. The book is called Homesick and Happy how time away from parents can help a child grow. And it's written by Dr. Michael Thompson. And here's the quote having to do with the benefit of Sleepaway Camp providing a break from technology. Quote, at Sleepaway Camp, campers send an average of zero texts per day. Into the space created flows a bunch of old fashioned human behaviors, eye to eye contact, physical affection, spontaneous running and jumping and simple wandering. I've got to tell you that when I sent my firstborn away, this wasn't something I really thought about. She was not utilizing screens as often as she is now. She didn't have a phone yet. She didn't have her own use of a computer or tablet. She certainly had plenty of screens in her life, but it wasn't something that was like a super high reason to look at the benefit of sending her to sleepaway camp. But as the years have progressed, wow, has this become something I've recognized is an incredible and immeasurable benefit for today's kids to be able to be in a space with no technology, no screens, no phones, no TikTok, no Instagram, none of that. And just like the quote I read, It instead provides an opportunity for kids to work on social skills, communication with eye contact, through talking and developing authentic friendships without screens coming into play. And also with all that kind of space, sometimes kids, again, take on those safe risks or pick up other hobbies. They keep themselves busy doing things like playing card games, writing letters home, writing in journals, Picking up instruments, learning to play the guitar, writing songs, singing together with our friends, the list can go on. Things that kids might do some of when they're at home and not camp, but certainly not as much or as much as they need. And without a doubt, anybody who has a child in the middle school to high school or even beyond age group can probably all point to this generation's challenges when it comes to social skills and their social development That I think you can look at their screens as a part of that. Now, I'm not here to vilify screens in general or say they're all terrible and get rid of them altogether and burn them. Yes, there's a part of me that wishes that that could happen, but I'm also in the reality that technology is here to say, but wow, what a great opportunity for a child to not have access to this for a month and to see what happens and see what that feels like. It does not go missed on me that my kids, both my kids who have gone to the sleepaway camp repeatedly for a month at a time, they consider their closest, deepest, and most authentic friendships to be friendships that they have made at this camp, even though they don't see the majority of these friends ever between summers. Yes, now that they have these Friendships. They do maintain these friendships through the help and benefit of technology. They text these friends. They have group chats. They sometimes chat on Facetime or Zoom, things of that nature. Um, there's a couple of friends that live in our same um, town, and my kids have gotten together with them a handful of times just to kind of connect and see each other. But again, this is where my children have found their people. They have great friendships at home too, and in school also. And I think they would list those friendships among the list of their closest friends, but I'd say these camp friendships have a really, really unique quality to them that is just incredibly wholesome and very mature in terms of the way in which it's developed in comparison to the friendships that they have made at home, at school, and so on. And another thing I mentioned a minute ago in terms of other things they might do with their time other than technology and screens, and that is work on old-fashioned communication, letters and postcards home or to friends at home. I love the opportunity to write letters to my children and receive letters from them and postcards. It's given me an opportunity for my children to learn the art of writing letters and how you write an address and where you put a stamp and how you mail it. And it also, there's built-in delayed Gratification that comes from that. You're not going to get an instant response like you could from a text or a phone call or Snapchat. You're going to have to wait a few days to get that communication. And that is really a healthy thing for kids to experience. It's very rare in this day and age, but nonetheless, it has its benefits. Okay, and all those benefits I've listed, like I said earlier on, the longer the camp experience the more all of these benefits can really have an impact that is more long-term or longer-term in terms of your children their development. Um, Longer-range residential camps, so the ones that are maybe three weeks and longer, um, again, there's still benefits to uh, shorter camps, but these types of benefits that I just listed are really the ones that I'm referring to when you think about a residential camp that's a little bit longer. The camp that I went to and that my kids go to is a four-week camp, a month-long camp. And for me, that has been not so long that I feel like It's too much for me to handle personally in terms of that separation or too much for my children to handle, but long enough that it has had a really significant impact on my children in so much of a positive way in terms of their growth and development. Okay, now you're on board, let's say, and you've decided, all right, I think this sounds like something I wanna do for my child in the future. Maybe not this year, but maybe down the road. It's important to start thinking about this, even if this is a few years off. And here's how I suggest that you do this so that you can help to prepare your child for camp in the months or even years before they go to sleepaway camp, particularly one of these residential longer than three week camps. The first is you definitely are going to want to think about involving your child in this decision, talking about it with them in terms of someday down the road. There's lots of cute movies and even TV programs that involve kids at sleepoid camp. Watch them with your kids talk about, oh, does that sound fun? Would you like to do that someday when you're a little older? Talk about it and talk about it Fairly often, particularly if you're leading up to or you know your child will be going to camp in the coming months or the coming year. While you're still kind of exploring this in the future and trying to figure out which camp, if it's possible and you happen to be in the area, visit the camps if they allow it. I know this summer with COVID, that may not be possible, but if it is possible, visit camps. Most camps will offer tours of their camps while they're in session or even off session, there's year round staff that can give you a tour and explain the camp and you can kind of see it for yourself. You of course also can go online and look at the camp websites and videos talking about the camp, the type of camp it is and the traditions at the camp. And you can oftentimes attend information nights, um, slideshows in person or online Zoom type information nights, if you're interested in finding out about these camps. And then call the camps. Ask them your questions, ask them about how you could learn more about their camp, the camp philosophy, what makes their camp special. And then don't hesitate to get your child on a wait list. This is kind of one of those things similar to getting your child on the list for preschools that are in very high demand areas. A lot of camps, very special camps, the camp my kids go to, for example, have wait lists that are several years long. So, if you think, gosh, that camp seems really great, I probably won't send my kid for another several years. But I think when I'm ready, that might be the camp. Put your kid on the wait list now. If you decide, oh, I want my child to go to this camp this next summer, it might already be too late. You may have to wait another several years. And then your child at that point may not actually be willing to or interested in going to camp and might miss out on these benefits that I've already mentioned. So, have your child on a wait list or two if you think you know a camp that seems like it might be a great fit for your child. The next thing to do to prepare for your child going to camp in the months or years, plan for it financially. It is not cheap. Summer camp is actually quite expensive, particularly if you're looking at a camp that is several weeks to a month to a whole summer long. They are quite expensive. So you're going to have to factor that into your family's budget. But also know that cost should not be the reason that you do not sign your child up because many camps, if not all camps, also have very generous scholarships and endowments to fund needs-based scholarships for kids who would not be able to attend these camps if it were not for scholarships. The camp my kids go to have, I can't remember the percentage exactly, but I want to say it's 40 to 45% of their campers have a partial to a full scholarship. So do not look at these camps, look at the price tag and say, oh, not for me. I don't, I can't afford it. There are many camps that are dedicated to make camp and the camp experience something that is available to any child or any family. Who wants to go. So do not discount it just because it may not be something that's financially feasible for your family. Or if you can afford it, think about that ahead of time when you're planning your budget, because it might mean you have to say no to some things to be able to afford sending your child to a summer camp. Um, Camp for our family is very expensive. We could take a family trip for what we pay for, including airfare perhaps, for what we pay for our children to attend camp. Well, we have to say no to that. You know, we do take family trips, but not very often when they involve plane rides. We have a large family. It's expensive. So we do travel and trips that are closer to home, don't have to be as expensive. And then once in a while, maybe we take a trip that includes a plane ride. One of the reasons why is because we have prioritized summer camp for our family and our kids. So things that we could spend one place, we've decided to put into that category hey there parents are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home negotiating demanding and generally calling all the shots well then i have a free resource for you called 10 steps to get back in charge of your kids just click the link below to download your own copy let's get you back in the driver's seat the next thing to think about in the months or years ahead of sending your child to camp is when your child is going to be ready it's not a particular age. Just because a a month long camp takes campers at age nine or younger, doesn't mean that your nine year old child will be ready. So here's what you could think about. These are the key things I encourage you to think about before deciding your child is ready. First and foremost, how is that parent child attachment? Is it secure? Is it healthy? Do you feel that your child is known at that deepest level I've talked about quite a bit when you talk about the stages of de- of attachment and how they development. does your child feel receptive to your attachment, your relationship? are they pushing you away? Is it a struggle? Do they listen to you? Do they follow your rules? Are they, uh, sad? Do they feel remorseful? Do they tell you their secrets? Do they disclose things in you? Are they able to be separated from you, and then when you get back together, do they still fall into a sense of connection and relationship with you? If that is no, your child may not be ready for camp in the coming year. Or if you're sometimes it's there, maybe really really focusing on it during the year before you send them to camp could ensure that they are there and that safe parent child and secure parent child attachment is in place. Another thing is, does your child have access to their mixed feelings? Meaning, does your child have the ability to feel scared and worried and fearful, but also desire to do something, enough desire to do something they can push past some of that fear, some of that difficulty in like, oh gosh, I'm kind of scared to try this thing, but at the same time, I want to do it. Do they have access to mixed feelings? Those are essential. When you're gonna have your child be going to a summer camp without you, it's normal for them to feel a little bit worried and anxious about going to summer camp away from you, a new place with new people. But at the same time, think, gosh, that sounds really fun. I really wanna do it. Your child's not gonna feel ready to go if they don't have the ability to mix those conflicting feelings in all ways. Another thing you wanna look for to decide if your child is ready is connected to the first things that I've shared, but can your child be away? Can they separate from you when they're at school or at a friend's house, at a sleepover, something like that, without a lot of stress and anxiety creeping in? And that's really difficult. If your child goes into high alarm when they're separated from you, your child may not be ready quite yet. So keep working on that. Keep working on your child being able to handle. And the answer is not, oh, I'll send them away and then they'll be ready. No work on that first, make sure your child can handle that separation. They don't go into full flooding of separation alarm. And when they are able to handle that with that high, high alarm inside it, some is fine, some is okay, some is normal, but if it's high alarm and they go in complete panic mode, wait until your child has kind of developed or grown or gotten some extra support in that before you consider sending them away for a residential camp. And then the last piece, Does your child want to go? Is this something they desire for themselves? They think it sounds like a great idea. That's also really important because they need to be a part of deciding that this is what they want to do. And that does sound like the right camp for them. Okay, so now you've decided and the time is short at hand. Maybe your child is going to sleep away camp in another few weeks or months. How do you help your child hold on to you and your relationship and that connection with you when they're apart. That's important. The idea is not send your child away and hope they don't think about you for the month. They're going to think about you. If they're not, then you don't have a healthy parent-child connection and attachment, and they shouldn't be going to summer camp right now until that is improved. So how do you help your child hold on to that connection when you're apart? Well, my first tip, Practice. Have your child go on playdates. Have them have a sleepover. If you plan to send your child to residential camp in a few years, that is three weeks or longer, try with maybe a couple of shorter night camps. Maybe you have a camp that is a two or three night sleepaway camp that they can go to with maybe a buddy or a friend. If it's a short camp like this, they're not going to really have all those benefits that we talked about at the beginning of the episode, but it would still be beneficial in terms of them experiencing, okay, I was away from camp. I mean, away from home. I um, missed you, but I had a lot of fun. And yeah, I think I could do a little bit of a longer camp. Same thing with like a week-long camp. Uh, Both of my older kids attended a one-week camper session intended for younger campers at the same camp that they go to for a month. And my third-born daughter, my eight-year-old, will also attend, um, she'll be nine this summer, but she'll also attend a one-week sleepaway camp at the same camp at the end of the summer, something she's really excited about, also very nervous about, also working towards getting all those mixed feelings and getting ready for this one-week sleepaway camp experience. My big kids are going away for a month, and they have. For my son, I think it'll be his fifth summer going to this uh, sleepaway camp, and for my um, oldest daughter, I think it will be her sixth summer. She's going this year, actually, to have a job at the camp. And so that's the other great thing. Could be a a funnel towards your child eventually having a summer job. But uh, in terms of the camps and what can really help your child, if they've never been to a sleepaway camp, send them to a shorter camp. Or if they're going to a one-week camp, practice with maybe a couple sleepovers ahead of time. The next tip to help your child hold on to that connection to you, talk about and normalize homesickness. Don't try to avoid it. Don't not talk about it, normalize it. It's important for your child to know that homesickness is always gonna be there. And you know what? It kind of never goes away. I still miss sometimes being home, my hometown, You know, being a kid taken care of by my parents and things of that nature. When you go to college, you're homesick. You miss your family and your friends. When you move to a new place, you're homesick from the place you just left homesickness is normal. So let's stop avoiding it and recognize that it's just one of those combination of feelings that you have that are a part of just being human. So talk about it with your child. Let them know that there might be times you're sad and you miss home and you miss your parents and your friends and your siblings and your pets, but that's survivable. And at the same time, you'll have people there to kind of help you and support you. If you're feeling sad, you should talk to them about it you're also gonna have lots of great experiences. It's possible to be sad and miss home and be homesick and still have a great time. And say, I wanna do that again. So talk about it and prepare your child for this so they don't think there's something wrong with them. Another thing that can help your child is to really do all of the preparation as much as possible together. Do the packing together, go through the, the list of things to bring. If you have to go out and run errands and um, and shop for certain items. Do that together. That can be something that connects you to your child. They'll remember that you've got these things together. They'll feel that sense of connection when they're at camp, even though you're not there. Another thing that I did with my children, the first year or two, they went to the month-long camp and the first time they went to the week-long camp is to send them with a bunch of pre-written notes. And I did this for my children and they loved this. In fact, My son still says that this is one of the things that helped him the most in terms of being at camp and helped him kind of, yes, feel his homesickness, but also kind of be reminded of our connection and that that's still there. And what I mean by these pre-written notes is I put a note inside their backpack and I wrote on the front of it open when you're on the bus, because they took a bus to get to their camp. And then I put one inside of their bag with all their clothes and said, open this on your first night before you go to bed. And then I had a a bigger envelope with a bunch of other notes that were pre-written. And they would say things like, read this after you take the swim test, something my kids were really scared of. (laughs) Um, Another one said, open this when you miss me. Another one, open when you want a laugh things of that nature, not too many, you don't want to flood your child with them, but just something that can help your child kind of be reminded of that connection when you're apart. I will give you a little bit though of a warning. This is not the perfect fit for every child, particularly children who are highly sensitive and for whom accessing those feelings can be really, really challenging. And so they really, really put up a lot of defenses to try and hold it together so they don't just collapse into those big, overwhelming feelings. I wrote these notes. They were a great fit for my older kids. My sister, one of her children are fairly highly sensitive, and she did something similar, and her son never opened any of these notes. They came home completely unopened, and he said, Yep, didn't wanna open them, didn't want to read them and feel sad. He wanted to avoid feeling sad. That's what worked best for him. No question at a month long camp, he still experienced some homesickness. He still missed home. However, for him kind of, that would be a bit too much for him. So I would talk about that with your child ahead of time. I think with my firstborn, it was kind of something I did as a surprise. And I think um, my sister did something similar. I would talk about this, your child said, I had this idea, something I think you might really like. Talk to to it, talk about with them ahead of time. They may let you know, maybe don't tell them every note you're going to send, but just the idea around it. So there's a little bit of a surprise factor and say, is that something you think you'd like? Is that something you think that would make you feel good? And um, when you're there and your child might say, nope, do not send me these things. So follow your child's lead. You know your child best. If this might be too much for them, if it might be the perfect way for them to still feel connected when you're apart and separated. The next thing, let your child select a few pictures of family and pets to bring with them to camp. They could put them up by their bunk or take them out if they want. Another thing that my kids loved was we picked out matching bracelets that we wore uh, while they were away at summer camp. And I had two kids at camp at the same time. I had a separate bracelet that for each child. So not necessarily one that you all have together. Maybe that would work for you and your family. But for me, it was really about a connection between me and each individual child. And we wore them all summer. And then it was a way for them to kind of know we were connected and wearing the same bracelet, even though we were not together and connected. Another thing, and the kids love this, is to be sure to send a care package sometime about halfway through their time at camp is my suggestion. And it should be full of fun things particularly fun things that they could share with their cabin mates, things like joke books and Mad Libs and card games, things of that nature. And then maybe something that they can commemorate their friendships on. Like I know that you can get a pillowcase and some fabric pens and your child can have their friend's you know, write their names on the um, pillowcase. You can provide them with a journal that maybe is where they have friends each summer. If they go back repeatedly, could write a little message. They can include their um, contact information, a little kind of almost like what you'd write in the end of year book for a school. They could fill out a journal each year and write those memories in that something like that. And then another thing to include in a care package would be something that your child could pass out like an individual thing for everybody in their cabin or tent group. Things like matching scunchies or bandanas, uh, little pins that they can wear, friendship bracelets, things of that nature, something that they can give to all their cabin mates that they can all enjoy together. Another thing that can help your child feel connected when you're apart is of course letters and postcards. Send lots of them but not too much of them because that could be problematic in terms of if your child is getting flooded with you know five pieces of mail every day and their cabin mate is not that could build in some hard feelings and also if your child is kind of really working through some feelings and they're getting so many reminders it could be too much reminder of connection from home and kind of trigger an overwhelm of sadness being separated. So I would say shoot for maybe one or two pieces of mail that your child would receive per week. And I encourage you to send maybe a letter or two before they leave for camp. So they'll receive it within that first week of camp. And then keep sending them at about that pace and encourage other people, grandparents, friends, siblings, to also send postcards and letters as well while they're at camp. When you're writing your own letters, I encourage you not to overshare about what's going on with the family at home, with you, with siblings, putting in lots of messages like your pets miss you, your siblings miss you. Don't make it be about you and your emotions and your feelings. Make it more newsy, not too long, more about kind of factual things that are going on and then asking questions. Oh, I'm so interested in finding about this and that and so forth. When you do talk about your family, focus more on things that are gonna happen after camp. That's kind of pointing your child towards the next point of connection, which is a great strategy for bridging any separation between a parent and a child. And so talking about, oh, I can't wait when I pick you up. It's going to be the whole family coming or just me. Oh, a week after we go, you get back from camp, we're going to be going on a camping trip, or I'm going to make you your favorite dinner, your first night home from camp, things of that nature. Those are the things that can help your child feel connected, but not overwhelmed with sadness. And then like I said, ask lots of questions and encourage your child to respond to them. You can even include like a questionnaire and like just mail this back to me and fill in the answers. Particularly if your child is not a big writer, and that could be kind of a point that's eh, they don't really want to do all that writing. And the other thing to think about in terms of and kind of related to the letter writing to help your child hold on to your connection when apart. Yes, it's fine to say I'm going to miss you, I love you so much, but at the same time. We as parents may not be as prepared for how hard the separation is for us. Keep that to yourself. Share that with adults in your life that you can share that with. Do not share that with your child. That actually doesn't benefit them. That's kind of taking your own personal needs and sharing that with your child and making them feel maybe alarmed or maybe in some ways responsible for your feelings, which actually doesn't help your child be set up for success. Yes, saying I'm gonna miss you so much, I love you so much, but then don't go on and on and on. Many of us, myself included, have waved big smiles, hugs, can't wait Can't wait to get that first letter, um, we're gonna have such a great time the rest of the summer, I've already sent some letters ahead, big wave, big smile, get into the car and sob. That is to be expected. Prepare yourself for that. That's normal and healthy as well. But keep that from your child. Keep that from your child, particularly in the weeks and months and definitely when you're saying your goodbye as they're going off to camp. Keep that from your child and then have that moment on your own, (laughs) okay? Or with another adult, like um, maybe your spouse or a friend that you can share that with. Final little bit I just wanted to toss in here because this whole focus has been on making decision to send your child to camp and how to prepare for that and how to make that choice. I wanted to toss in just a real quick little tidbit about when they come home from camp, kind of that re-entry post-camp. Now, a lot of that re-entry is wonderful and beautiful. My parents used to refer to it as the post-camp glow by the siblings. They get along incredibly well. And I've seen this with my own eyes with my two older kids who can, you know, they're siblings, they get into fights. They oftentimes don't have a lot of patience for each other. Wow, when they get home from camp, they're more affectionate. They have inside jokes. They don't like get annoyed if I ask them to take a picture. They'll put their arms around each other without being like, eh, get your arm off me and things of that nature. It's this precious, beautiful moment. It doesn't always sustain weeks and months afterwards but there is this beautiful energy there's a little bit of a kind of slowdown. there's a little bit of a slower pace that kids coming home from camp have that is so incredible but also prepare yourself that your child might be a little bit introspective a little bit not super talkative They also might be experiencing a little bit of sadness and grief and separation from their friends and the counselors and the connections that they made. Most camps have really special activities on the last days of camp that are pretty emotional. Kids oftentimes stay up really late talking and crying and sobbing. My kids usually come home with very hoarse voices and really puffy eyes because of all of the above know that that is normal and healthy and actually evidence of a really, really incredible and beautiful experience for your children. Not something to be worried about, but something to prepare yourself about. But also know that it may be something that they're not ready to talk about right away. So give them that space and know that that information will probably come over time. Don't grill them about every detail, kind of welcome it, but also know that they may need to kind of like sit in this reentry and then let that information come a little bit over time. Instead focus on ways in which you can reconnect those first several days. Don't over schedule, don't build in lots of activities right away. Kind of build in a lot of opportunities for your child to kind of like reemerge and then rejoin the family activities and for you to kind of step back into your role as their parent, their you know, hopefully that connection is super strong before camp and you've been able to sustain it through camp. And after camp, you'll be able to kind of come back in and reconnect. Find those quiet moments that you can be one-on-one with each of your children after they come back from camp to kind of reconnect. But again, don't push it. Don't go too much. Another bit I encourage you to do, if you have an older child who maybe has a phone when they're at home, or has a lot of access to screens and has been on screens a lot, take advantage of the opportunity to kind of talk about that with your child, maybe on the first day or two after they get home from camp. How was it like not having any screens or not having your phone? What was that like? Um, And then ask them, You know, when he got home, what was it like to have access to that again, to have your phone again? What did that feel like? You might be surprised at the answers you get don't push it. And your child might be like, eh, I didn't really care. Um, or yeah, I missed it, but I got over it when you got home. Oh, I'm so glad to have it. But more often I find that kids recognize after that three week, four week, five week detox, that they recognize the hold that screens and technology and phones have over them. My firstborn daughter, when she was going to camp, I think it was her second or third year, she'd had a, access to a phone, and she was kind of concerned about not having that phone. And she was also kind of upset about uh, what will it be like to not be able to text my friend, to not be able to call my friend, or or you know, know what's going on. She was worried about this. She was anxious about this. When she got home. And she picked up her phone and she turned it on for the first time. She saw 400 missed texts. And they were predominantly on group chats. That's why there were so many of them. And it was like emojis, you know, sharing a a funny, you know, meme, just random words. She looked at it and she said, it feels like a burden. I don't want this. And she kind of didn't touch her phone for a couple of days. And then when she finally felt she was ready, she picked up her phone and she deleted all of those unopened texts. For me, that was really significant. And it was for her also. And even though she is really, really a screen user, she is 17 years old, pandemic, hello. That's how these kids have been able to A, attend school, have any form of connection with peers outside of school that is COVID safe. Yes, things are opening up more, but just in general, it's been a real screen and technology heavy period of time, particularly for our older youth. Nowadays, I think she even relishes having that break and sees the benefit of it. And so know that that is a potential thing that could be a great conversation starter. And the last bit, when your child has been home from camp for within the first week, I would say, Talk to them about, gosh, did you like that enough that you might want to return next next year? Do you think you want to go back? Usually kids have their most uh, strong and clear answers within the week following coming back from camp. If too much time has gone by, they may be so reimmersed in their everyday normal home life, they may forget And they might feel again, that fear of, oh gosh, well, if I go away from camp, then all these friends I'm making now, I won't be able to be with them then. And it might not be the best decision. The best decision, the best, most informed, most internally and inside their body and brain informed decision is an answer is likely going to be coming pretty soon after they've been at camp. So I encourage you to discuss that. And their answer may be no. And their reasons might be the most clear then. It might be, wasn't a great that camp, might be, I wasn't ready for it, it was too long. It might be, you know I just didn't enjoy the activities. So find out why your child says yes or no so it can inform your future decisions. If they give a yes, awesome, I'll sign you up when the time is right and then move forward that decision. If the answer is no, then there's an opportunity for you to do some more thinking with your child to find out if there could be a better fit experience similar to sleepaway camp. And there's also the chance that camp, sleepaway camp in general, is just not a good fit for your kids. It's not for every child. Your child may be one of those kids and that is okay. It may not be for every child, but it is often for a lot of kids. And the benefits are so great. I really encourage you to do some thinking about this when it comes to your own children and planning for them in the future. Take care and I hope you join me again on the next episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media, so take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the 3D Parent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent podcast.